This is a podcast brought to you by The Stress Times and The Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, where we offer tips for the newcomer to the financial or investment scene. My name is Ernest Lewis and with me is my co-host Chris Lim. He's going to talk to us uh, again about wine. In last week's episode, we talked about how to get started in wine collecting and investment. Chris, hi, how are you? Real good. Okay, so this episode, actually, we are going to talk about five steps to getting started. In Pretty the, much. Yeah? Because uh, last episode, we talked about the general things to bear in mind, but I thought it might be helpful to do a step-by-step Yeah, step-by-step, it sounds good. And uh, I want to ask you this first question. Now, let's say I don't have a fancy place. I'm living in a three-room HDB flat, or I could be staying in a condo, a studio apartment, 400 to 500 square feet. Not a lot of space, and I want to get started in wine. What kind of gear do I need? First off, it's very simple. You need a wine fridge. Even before you start casually buying a $15, $12, $20 bottle of wine, it actually pays to start first with a wine fridge. Right, so I don't need like an entire room to separate some cellar kind of thing. Hey, if you've got a room to (laughs) set aside, man, good for you. Or even an entire rental apartment. But let's be real here. Yes. Very few of us can actually set aside that space or have money to set aside that space. You don't need it. You just need a wine fridge. And wine fridges actually have very small footprints. They're a fraction of the size of a regular fridge. And they can fit in the corners of your room, under your study desk. Even if you have a table that's hollow underneath, it can even fit under your dining table sometimes. Okay. Uh, What some people do is when they're actually designing their new house... They will design a little cubby hole under the kitchen cabinets. Oh. So it's just under the kitchen cabinets next to the drawer that holds your forks and knives. That's Mm. your wine chiller. Ah, quite simple. Not so daunting, right? No. Yeah. And uh, what kind of other gear do I need besides a fridge? Of course, you need a corkscrew. Yeah. And there are many fancy (laughs) corkscrews. Actually, all you need is a very basic corkscrew. Some people obsess over these things, right? They go online and keep checking reviews and over and over again. Absolutely. And you can. And if it makes you feel good, you can get a couple hundred dollar corkscrew. There's no need. You know, just 10 bucks uh, at most for corkscrew is more than good enough. There are fancy wine extraction tools like Coravan, etc. that let you sample bottles of wine mm. that use corks without actually removing the cork from the wine. Wow. Those cost, well, 100, 200 plus. Okay. They're nice to have. There's no need, actually. You start with a wine fridge. Okay. You start with a wine fridge and then you start filling up your wine fridge. Okay. And this is where we go on to your next step? Yes, absolutely. Yep. The next step is to start buying as widely as possible. Mm. What's a good budget to set aside for these things? Honestly, many of us may have walked by a shelf of wines and seen $12.90. What does it taste like? You need to be able to answer that question for yourself. You may not like the answer, but you need to know what a $12.90 bottle of wine tastes like. And you may not like it, but you need a reference point. So you start cheap. Okay. Buy that $12.90 generic Shiraz Merlot from, you know, Chile or Australia. Taste that and then move up. Move up to your 20-something and then move up to your 30-something. And if you're feeling really flush, you know, or a $100 bottle of wine has been discounted to $50. I mean, there are these Ah, sales. You keep your eyes open, it's 100 bucks. And you know, it really is 100 bucks because as you were shopping around Mm. the previous months, you saw it was 100 bucks. They're clearing out for 50 bucks. 
Grab Maybe it. try that one bottle so that you know what a $100 bottle of wine tastes like. Okay, so try by bottles, not just diving into cases, right? Absolutely. If you don't know what you like and you don't have any firm preferences yet, I would absolutely advise people to stay away from buying a whole bunch of bottles of the same kind of wine because you don't know what you like. And mm. even if you're talking about investment, you're investing in both yourself, which is enjoyment, as well as hopefully buying wine that will hold its value or appreciate. You're balancing both, so you have to know what you like first instead of just looking at the value of a wine. Now, I may find it a little bit boring to swirl wine by myself, you know, just alone without nothing else to enjoy with it. Can I start experimenting, as you said, with food, which is your third step? Absolutely. In fact, when you start drinking wine by yourself, you get hungry. It's an aperitif that has acid in it and the acid will get your stomach acids going, will whet your appetite. So you start with a wine that will get your appetite going, a light Sauvignon Blanc, which okay. is very popular these days, uh, very fruit forward, very fruity, gooseberries, some grassy notes, some lemony notes, a bit of pineapple. Mm. And you can drink that by itself. Then it gets you hungry. And then you go and get some food or you cook some food. So I don't need fancy food. I can have it with my mee pok or something. Right? Absolutely. Though, uh, as we mentioned in our last episode, if you're going to have anything spicy, the rules of thumb are stay away from acidity okay. and tannin. Mm. So that means staying away from very high acid Sauvignon Blancs, for example. I'd recommend, you know what? It's a great food, white wine to start with, Chardonnay. Okay. In fact... There should be a phase of your experimentation journey where you drink nothing but different kinds of Chardonnay mm. and then have your mind blown by how one kind of grape can taste absolutely different mm. uh, when it's made in a different way or made in a different country. It'll blow your mind. And of course, you go, how can a Chardonnay cost $12.90 but also cost $129 uh, and more? Yes. Actually, so Chardonnay, the deeper appreciation comes here. Yes. Yeah. And I tell you, Chardonnay is a great starting point. <laughs> but what if you want red wine and you like spicy food? Yeah, what let's about say, let's say I like uh, Indian food or Indonesian food or something. Prata. You know, what do you have with your prata? Mm. What do you have with a mutton biryani? Yes. I actually would recommend a Merlot. Why? Because Merlots are often more fruit forward and typically have a softer tannin. Mm. Tannin's the killer. You do not want tannin and spice in the same mouthful. And Merlots are just approachable because they've got these cherries, red berry notes that just make it really approachable. So I say, again, Merlots and try a whole bunch of different Merlots because they're cheap Merlots. Again, $12.90. But hey, right bank Bordeaux, French Bordeaux wine, mm -hmm. is also predominantly Merlot-based and can get really, really pricey. Okay. So again... You can have your Chardonnay face and you can have your Merlot face even if you want spicy local food. And uh, what's your next step? Step four, actually. Okay, step four is fantasy investment. We spoke about that briefly. Yeah, again. a little bit about that. But, but really, this yeah. is where uh, you have an idea of what you like. Example, you like Australian Chardonnay mm. and uh, because that goes well with your meatbook. And you found, <laughs> you found that you like Right Bank Bordeaux Merlots yes. or Merlot blends I should say and then you say what if I actually bought a case of these or half a case okay. so that's six bottles yep. actually go through that mental exercise choose a case that you might have bought and pretend you bought it mm. 
take note of this somewhere uh, on a, in a notebook or you know in a Google Drive document or whatever whatever <laughs> floats yeah. your boat. Yeah. And then I imagined I simulated a purchase of a case of a certain wine that looks like something you could both enjoy and something that might potentially hold its value. And then every quarter, monitor the price. Mm. At least every quarter. If you can't take it, at least every half a year. Okay, right. But quarterly is a good exercise. Even monthly if you can, but quarterly. Okay, And see how the price moves for the next three years. Mm-hmm. And, and check against the internet, all right? No, ab- absolutely. Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And then see if you made a good bet. You might not have made a good bet, in which case you have to figure out why not. Okay. Maybe you had five different kinds of wine to choose from and all four held their value and the one you chose plummeted. <laughs> okay? Then ask yourself why. You can you can might be able to make an educated guess as to why. Or actually, out of those five, four tanked and the one you chose was a good bet. Figure out if it was luck or if you had some good solid reasons for choosing that kind of wine that were validated. Okay. Does it help if you have uh, like-minded friends who are into these things? Abs- and you can de- develop absolutely. some wine khakis? It can be an e-sport for you, you know? <laughs> Among your five wine khakis, for example, yeah. uh, you could place bets on five different cases of wine and see who made the good call, the ah. right call. And every quarter, you can crow over it. And whoever made the best bet for that quarter, whoever had his fantasy case of wine that actually appreciated in value, can buy lunch, buy makan. Yeah, that's right. Or buy a round of drinks at your favourite wine bar. Okay, so they'll just buy Merlot and Briani for the winner. Hey, that sounds like a great idea. Okay, what about your last step, the fifth step? The fifth step is that after you've made your first fantasy wine investment, at least a year after, you might want to consider buying your first case of your first case of wine, real case, actual mm. physical mm-hmm. case of wine. And this needn't be something exorbitant, but it should be something that you enjoy drinking, and it should be something that you have a reasonable expectation of holding its value. Example, it's from an established brand, say Penfolds, for example, which is a well-known Australian brand. And it's a wine that is not new to the market, say Penfolds Bin 389. How much would that be? What's the budget I need to set aside for that? Okay, well, so say, (laughs) you do the math, say $30 to $50 per bottle of wine. Yeah. So 12 bottles, if right? Yeah. So 600 bucks. Yeah. So between 400 and 600 bucks. Okay. Or not, get half a case. But I'll tell you why a case is interesting. Mm. Because then you start drinking a bottle every year. Okay. Yep. And then you watch the wine evolve and see if you still like the bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And you watch the price of the wine and you monitor the wine's evolution simultaneously. So does it taste nice? And is it holding its value simultaneously? If you buy a case, you can do it every six months, you see. Mm, yes. So you buy half a case that's uh, six bottles. Maybe you, sh- you can only drink one every year. Yeah, that's a, a very manageable project. Yeah, yeah but yeah. You, buy, yeah. you buy 12 bottles, you can drink it every six months. <laughs> uh, you can see where I'm heading here. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can see that. You're making a strong case for it. Absolutely. And the good news is that this early stage of preparing yourself for wine investment, because you notice you only actually invested in wine in your fifth step. The rest, the preceding steps were about preparing yourself to get into it. And it's actually your most enjoyable stage because you are drinking and enjoying in addition to researching the market. Okay, thanks Chris. Great tips and uh, good five steps, actually very practical steps to get started in uh, wine collecting and wine investment. And actually to see it as a journey, right? And a fun journey. 
Alright, till the next episode of uh, Money Hacks. See ya. Goodbye. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.